You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. This is the first episode of Season 3 of Year 3, Episode 105. And uh, it will be very, very remiss of me not to have Brendan Ptolemy in. He was here for the first episode. He was here for episode one of season two and now episode one of season three. Mate, a big thank you for always supporting uh, all the listeners and, and myself and the show. It could only be you. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, Trent. Thanks for having me in. Um, massive celebration to get into season three. Who knew at season one in that first episode? Uh, I do think I walked in here going, what are we doing? Yeah. Is anyone going to listen? Um, so, yeah, thanks to all the listeners. Saying, it's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, look, it's been enormously enjoyable and uh, obviously these things don't work unless someone's listening. So, thank you very much to everyone that's listened and hopefully we've helped them out with some sort of thought or idea or jogged their uh, process in terms of motivating them to invest in property and try and make some money out of it. Today, we are talking about the regional markets. It's been a few months since we've caught up with Brendan about the regions, the Pilbara, the Goldfields, the Southwest. Not only is the Perth market feeling positive about the world these days, but the last time we spoke about the regional markets, they were the canary in the coal mine. Yeah, look, the regional market is as head-spinning, if not more, than the Perth metro market. And the thing that probably stands out for me is the pace at which people were able to make decisions and turn around. So for the payback of all the work I've put on over the years, I get to go to Exmouth as, as our valuer in there fairly frequently. Does it always, why does it always end up that you're in Exmouth in Whale Shark season? <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy. <laughs> um, the the clean out in there, um, talking to some of the agents, one of them sold, I think, 37 properties uh, a couple of months back in one month. Um, Are there 37 properties to sell in Exmouth? Well, exactly. So this is probably a, a really good uh, case of or, um, of us being able to understand what happens in a regional town. So obviously got limited supply. In that marketplace, it was known around town by all of the locals and anyone that actually owned a property there that the market had been struggling for a long period of time. Lots of vacant land in the, in the marina, lots of older houses in town that were, were tenanted, actually getting a half-decent rent. But in general... Most people that have bought in the boom there were about a hundred grand out on on what they'd paid for their place. So when you're in that negative equity, or you you're in a situation where the house that you've bought is worth less than what you paid for it, everyone just sell. shuts up shop and yeah. goes right. It's rented. I have got cash flow. I'll just maintain the the repayments on Forget the thing, and I'll it. wait for yeah. something to happen. And so the surprising thing for us is you know not that many listings consistently in there, even over the downturn. But when you start scratching the surface and some demand suddenly comes along all of a sudden, all of that pent-up supply is sitting in the background waiting for people that essentially were sitting there. And, and, and I did have a beer with a couple of locals um, while I was up there in, in middle of the year in July where they were saying, oh, I'd always wanted to buy, and so they're out there buying, or I'd I'd make this place to sell a year or two ago, but there was no one to buy it. So I've just been sitting here waiting for some buyers to come along. So you have that pent-up supply. So it's just a, a microcosm in that Exmouth market that probably represents what's been happening in some of those bigger regional towns as well. Well, we've never spoken about Exmouth, so it's great to get some mm. you know some new perspectives on something like that. But I guess the reason that it would have moved so quickly is because you've got a couple of local agents there looking for work and really having conversations with owners for yep. years. Going, Engaged look, with own, uh, yeah, owners. Look, yeah. I know you want to sell, 
and I know you don't want to sell now because it's not going to meet the price, but the second it can, I'll let you know. Yeah. And then it happens. Yep, exactly. And off goes the turnover and, and, and in, come the, in comes the demand. So uh, interestingly, in there, we saw contracts for, for purchase for people from over east, from just down the road. So um, people that live in, say, Caratha and Port Hedland that are going to use Exmouth as their getaway in the really hot season. Yep. <laughs> Now it's that little little bit cooler than that further up yeah. north and a little bit less humid. Jesus, yeah. um, and then obviously Perth people going, okay, well I had all I've been there lots. I think it's fantastic. I'm going to go there, and then the the um, I'm sorry, I'm going to buy there, and, and that'll be my holiday destination. What does a place in Exmouth cost, Brendan? Uh, so base price in terms of uh, one of the older fibro cement shack type places are, is kind of mid 300s. Uh, but if you want to buy something that's going to get a half decent rental return and that you're happy to stay in when you go up there, you could be at kind of 500 to 550. And again, you're still a relatively basic place for that mm. type of money. We see sales in the canals there over a million dollars. Yeah, so I remember seeing stuff yeah, yeah. that was seven figures back in the boom. Yeah, so even recently there's been a couple of sales like that. So in those cases, it's a bit, think about a manager canal lot, you you're on a thousand square meters. You've got a luxury home on there. You've got a jetty out the front, um, north-facing front yard onto the canal. Bit of a view. Those kinds of things. A real lifestyle property. And obviously, there's um, a, a huge cost in terms of building that type of property in that location. Yeah. Yeah. And a very small niche market that would be interested in owning that. Yeah. Exactly. And could afford it. Yep. Uh, okay. Let's uh, start from the from the bottom. I guess Albany is a market that. Uh, I always wonder why Albany isn't bigger than it than it is. It yep. was the original. It was the OG suburb, you know, a couple hundred years ago. <laughs> the uh, the first place that everyone sailed into. Yeah. Um, and you know, you look at that harbour or the the natural harbour there and wonder King Sound, I think it's called, and uh, you wonder why uh, settlement wasn't made there. Um, in terms of the main settlement of, well, of WA. Yeah. Like, the, why? I mean. It is a very habitable area. Why yeah. is there not a major city in in Albany? Yeah. So, yeah, beautiful location. Uh, market often struggles. Uh, it is a little bit segregated between suburbs and geographically, it's actually a little bit segregated. Um, it, it's Our money is that it, uh, from our value around town, is that it is struggling to, to grab price point at the minute, as in put any pressure on prices. Um, but it is benefiting for that first stage um, of any market recovery, and that is that sales volume goes up. Uh, some of that supply comes back into the marketplace and it gets chewed up relatively quickly, and that, that needs to happen before That's price the rises. That's first stage, yeah. right? We saw that in Perth a couple of months ago where, yeah, the volume transactions going through the roof, but not really getting any reports of increase in prices, yep. and then it just happens. Yeah. Snap. Yeah. Uh, Bunbury. Yeah, so um, probably cover that whole regional southwest market. Yep. Um, we've got our office down there in Bustleton, but... Um, uh, the top end is the easy one to talk about. So you would have seen some headlines uh, about uh, holiday homes being snapped up um, for above what they're on the market for. We're hearing those one-day selling stories. We're hearing the, the stories of agents calling people that they knew were interested in properties and saying, look, I've got another listing coming. You better offer before I hit the market or you're going to miss out. So that's that kind of luxury top end um, holiday accommodation market where people with cash flow and, and with funds to spend have basically looked around and gone, okay, I can't travel for the next year or two. I also probably can't book the holiday home that I wanted to stay in or I can afford to actually own the holiday home that I wanted to stay in, so I might as well just buy it now and I'll be the landlord that rents it out to everybody else into the future and there's probably some pri uh, price pressure on rents there. Um, middle of the talks to me about the airport. Yeah. 
yeah, so all the locals love the concept of the airport. So someone will know, though, the accuracy of the timings on this. But essentially, Jetstar had said that they would fly into Busso. And I think around about when COVID hit was when the first flights oh, were to. actually about to yeah. start. So poor Bustleton have gone and spent all of that money on making sure that that regional airport's ready to go. Uh, a lot of optimism around the, the commerce uh, down south about being able to fly directly in from Melbourne. And There's I don't, a Hilton starting there, right? Yeah. Building a Hilton. Yep. And I don't disagree with any of that. I think in Perth we often forget about how difficult it is to come from the east coast and fly into Perth and then be told... Okay, so after you've spent your two days or three days in Perth and been to Kings Park and taken a photo, been to Cottesloe and taken a photo, you've got to go and get a high car and drive for three hours and go down south. So when people don't have that extra time to spare in their time off, as in pretty much an extra day of travel to get down there, the concept of being able to fly into Busso and, and be in, you know, at a fantastic winery in, in somewhere in Margaret River within kind of half an hour, an hour, uh, is really strong, compelling argument to, to really boost that tourism in that area. I um, think a lot of tourism, international tourism even, uh, would just skip straight on. I mean, think about uh, trying to set an itinerary up for my parents-in-law who are from Switzerland and going, well, look, you've got about a day or two in Perth and then yep. a week down south a week or two up north, yep. and you're thinking, geez, if they could have just gone straight down south, they probably would have. Yeah, hopefully the the airport will get up and running and those flights will get restarted at some point in time. Now, the other part of uh, what's happening down there is just that rental market, so it's really similar to Perth. Uh, I'm told there's barely a rental available in Dunsborough. They do need workers to come back to that hospitality industry, and so if they aren't already in the location they're, they're going to have trouble trying to import them into town, which is often a an issue for lots of regional locations through WA. What accommodation are the workers going to live in? Uh, you go to Rottnest, they've got that problem. You go to Exmouth, they've got that problem. You is go that to Caratha, Airbnb got that problem. Is soaking it all up? Yeah, it's a little bit about everyone's that. Everyone's doing the local tourism these days. Yeah. If I had a re- normal rental uh, become vacant, you'd probably think about, oh, I might make this a holiday home. Yeah, there's a little bit of that, but it is mainly demand. So long-term rental market really filled up with people that, uh, just the same as Perth, filled up with people that are long-term renters. My sister is looking to buy a block of land uh, just outside of Bunbury, and all of the people who own blocks of land outside of Bunbury are holding her to ransom. Really? Far out. They are very confident in the market and and trying to sell it for overs. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, we compare that to the conversation we would have been having two or three months ago. Uh, We know that that, that the market started well for January, February this year. And obviously, we, we paused in March for COVID. But the strength of the recovery since then is just amazing. Yeah. So... Any other rumblings on the Bunbury market from your team down there? Yeah, there was certainly extremely busy. A lot of activity going on, a lot of turnover, a lot of valves coming through the door every single day. Um, and that must lead to some sort of price pressure in terms of values going up in the near future. It's just a question of how much pressure is there for, for price increases. Are you getting a lot of house and land stuff? Down south? Uh, I would have to check our stats, but lesser than than Perth Metro. But I, again, really surprised at the take-up of vacant land, both down there and in other locations, which we can talk about in a second. Yeah, yep. I'm seeing some things from friends on Facebook about Kalgoorlie, <laughs> where uh, the, the agent there at Kalgoorlie Metro, I think, is the number one agent in Perth right now for, yep. for sales. Yep. We've been speaking for the last two years about how dead Kalgoorlie is. Yeah. Has things changed overnight? Well, or? Yeah, well, look, um, economic 
uh, fundamentals are going in the right direction. So Linus Corp have signed some contracts with the local council for land, so that that plant will definitively get up and running and get built. You know, Campbell's down the road in terms of nickel price, and the you know their South Thirty Two and BHP are in the, the headlines every single day about some um, Elon Musk is going to buy all the nickel in the entire world to yeah. build his batteries. Obviously, the gold price is going in the right direction, and Kalgoorlie loves that. And the Super Pit's just done a deal in terms of bringing it together, yep. um, and also announcing that there's a twenty five or 30 year mine life there so they're all massive boxes for Kalgoorlie to tick in terms of reversing literally reversing consumer confidence uh, add that into what's probably a long term supply issue for the location one that the market wasn't interested in fixing certainly the state government are in there through development WA making sure that there is land supply um, they, I'm told that they hadn't sold a lot in a couple of years and then sold six in a weekend uh, about two or three months ago. So there you go. Is the, there's the little example of the anecdotal evidence of, of things moving. Um, You're going to need to find a builder to build on those blocks. Yeah, now. so then you get to the next stage of your process in terms of, you know, buy established, then obviously you've got something to rent out pretty quickly. You can probably negotiate, try and negotiate hard at the moment. Um, but the interesting part about the Kalgoorlie factor is that uh, there's not a lot of worker accommodation supplied by the industry there, or all of those mining industries, and so the marketplace needs to supply that in uh, that, that accommodation, and so that's where the opportunity falls back to the general open market to come along and invest in there. So, yeah, it's not surprising that investors might have been coming along going, hey, look, I've got that pinned. If I see these boxes get ticked, I'm going to go in there and buy. Old mate Geraldton. Yeah, Jero's uh, really interesting. It's still really busy um, and, and lots of turnover in there, lots of house and land packages happening, a lot of refinance happening. Probably the best opportunity it's had to clear out a whole lot of dead stock for a fairly long period of time. The the commercial property in the in the centre of town is still heavily influenced by the fact that there's some, some properties in there with issues and unless they're fixed, then you know the centre of town probably doesn't rejuvenate as well as it could. There's a whole lot of projects that have been talked about for a long period of time that haven't got up. There's also some locals that have, have had you know financing issues and those kinds of things in terms of resulting in mortgage and possession type situations, whether that be a house or through to commercial property. So when you compare it to Cal, having come straight off the Cal comparison, mm. it is a location that struggles for that consumer confidence because it doesn't have those boxes to tick and say, hey, look, it's ready to take off. You know, Okaji still hangs over it and everyone's going, oh, Okaji yeah. number two is coming along now. But unless the, the construction has commenced, it's really hard to be able to stand back and say, hey, go and invest in there because there's something going to happen next. Yeah. Good point. What about Newman? I was pretty excited about Newman at the start of the year. COVID hit and I haven't heard a lot about people going nuts in that area the way that I was thinking we'd start to see some push up. Yep. In contrast to the Port Hedland and Caratha, who seem to be kicking on, which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. Where's Newman at? So Newman's actually got good rental demand at the minute, as far as I understand. Um, obviously got a lot of supply in terms of vacant houses sitting there um, that potentially are available for investors to buy. And certainly some decent-sized projects happening, obviously, around it in terms of iron ore, and some contractors still out there looking for that accommodation. So it's still... Uh, got some demand, but it's not the marketplace. Uh, it's not a hated marketplace that we're seeing in our office and flagging it up as a risk in terms of values taking off at this point okay. in time. So yeah. probably a more prudent uh, level of... Might well be, yeah. Good. And uh, as we always say with those types of locations, so you know, you've got to be a mature, informed investor if you're going to go and look at buying in those types of locations. South Headland seems to be getting busy. Yeah, so consistently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, there's some good turnover in there. There's some good demand for rentals again. So rents have gone up 
And so that definitively brings more investors to the table. Um, we've seen most recently some really decent price hikes in, in rent. Um, so the people that got in at the bottom of the market are sitting there now going, gee, cash flow is actually looking pretty good and I'm happy about that. They might even come back to the table to buy something else. Or the people that were watching rents as they're indicated to decide whether they were going to buy have seen, all right, okay, rent's bottomed out, they're going up. I'm pretty sure that they're going to continue to go up. I'll go buy something now. Yeah. I think that finally we're starting to see that. So it always takes about a year, I think, later for Headland to pick up when Caratha starts to pick up and Headland gets the rest of it. But it's, it, obviously, it's still got its port Headland, its port issues with the dust uh, suppression and those sort of things. So yep. I think those are always a distraction to the market yep. uh, in terms of the data. One thing we haven't spoken about, and I'm going to just throw this one on you because I'm just thinking about it now, the fact that I uh, cannot get off my Facebook news feed without having seen someone with a beer in their hand in Broome. <laughs> yeah, so Broome is going pretty crazy. We're flying in there weekly to do vowels at the minute. Um, whereas is that cost effective? Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, look, we can make it work, yeah. yeah. And so as a, that means that we've almost tripled our work because we used to go kind of once every three weeks and aggregate a few and, and just be looking after our clients, basically. But yeah, so demand in there is going really well. We just need to be careful, again, about price shift and the fundamentals as, as to why price would shift. So it's got the same rental problem as Dunsborough. Everything is, is rent, uh, rented out. Obviously, they're going into the, the peak heat season. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how well that holds up. It's been the safe haven for a number of different types of people. So grey nomads, backpackers, and, and us people that uh, us, us Perth people that were seeking sun through the, the colder months uh, all converged on town at the same time. So what's left after they leave and what, mm. what demand is remaining? On yeah. an annual basis, though, I think you know, the local tourism was on its knees freaking out in March. Yep. I reckon on an annual basis, they've done better year on year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I probably can't talk about all the individual cases of business that I know, um, but I'm hearing some pretty crazy stories about turnover in some of those regional locations. Yeah. Certainly when it comes to kind of food, beverage and entertainment type businesses in those areas, they've just been overrun. Yeah, yeah. and I think when you think to the, I guess, the policies from Mark McGowan you know, and the questions that, oh, is this very genuine about health these days? I think a lot of people will go, well, who cares? Yeah. We're winning out of this and, and at the end of the day, uh, this is our state. We'll do what we want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and, you know, we uh, talk, I talked to a colleague in Melbourne this morning. We're extremely lucky that we have two climates uh, across our state where we could just uh, take off up north and warm up through those winter months. All those poor people in Melbourne that would usually go to, to the Gold Coast, Sunny Coast, uh, Hypnoosa, those kinds of places, weren't able to leave town. So, um, yeah, we've been really lucky from that point of view and it just demonstrates why it's so good to be in WA. The last one, the golden child. How's Karatha going? <laughs> Karatha's going really well. Um, again, similar situation with price points and, and pressure there. What I think probably is happening there now is it goes to the next stage of maturity. There's land available for people to buy. Uh, the builders probably still looked a little bit too expensive on the way into this back end of COVID. Uh, there were some discussions around what land plus building cost is and whether that equals value. It's still above the medium price. It is, but... Now we get to a stage where you need the, the demand. Values are probably of established products are, are going to edge up slightly. And so therefore, it doesn't look expensive anymore because you are, it's going to be worth what it cost you at the end in the near future. So that it starts becoming viable to add more supply. We're also seeing that the benefit of Grillsy's uh, investment in, in, the, in a town because it's a much more livable location than it ever has been in the, in the past. My 92-year-old grandma... Just went there to see my old man last week. And yep. she came back saying because she was not interested at all in coming. She's like, "Oh God, I'm not in, not looking forward to this." Yep. Came back, 
big smile on her face. She said, oh, what a great place to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think uh, the, the city of the north, uh, you know, I think that that planning, long-term planning for the future is probably starting to come together. And this next stage of, the, of its growth is really important to then get it to the next stage after that. So um, in, in potentially in future, they are sitting there with 30-odd thousand people living there and a, a really viable town centre. Let's see how they go. Brendan, uh, I think for the first time we are talking about uh, the regions and especially Karratha as not being that hopeful canary in the coal mine and actually just being in keeping with the vibe of the whole state. And, yep. and for once, we're not jealously looking at Karratha and more just looking at it as, you know, the younger brother when we're all going along the way. So it's a nice feeling that uh, I guess we've got a bit more of that right now, at least for now. Yeah, at least for now. And we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens in the future. It's pretty hard to tell what's going on in that crystal ball, but it looks positive at this point in time. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Cheers, Trent. Thanks for having me in. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!